where I want to be this morning. As you go towards the book of Deuteronomy, maybe a couple things that you'll be reminded of as you think about the book of Deuteronomy. At this point, Moses is about 120 years of age. And Moses is going to take some time now, as they've finished up their 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, they're going to head out to the promised land. And Moses is going to spend some time giving a couple sermons, actually three. He's going to share with this group as they transition from where they are, from wandering to into the promised land. There's some things that he's going to want to share with them. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 23, if you read that verse, it says this, but he brought us out from there to bring us in. And give us the land that he's promised our forefathers. So it's going to remind the nation of Israel of God's faithfulness. And he's going to challenge these new Israelites, if you want to call them that, to be faithful to their God. And he's going to give them opportunity. And he realizes that this this generation is a new generation. Everyone that Moses is now talking to is 60 years and younger. It's a generation that has seen God do some amazing things. Led them out of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea. This generation is also maybe kind of a sober generation because he's seen this part of of the God that maybe you and I haven't always seen. If you don't follow him and you place other gods before him, It will cost you. And so hundreds of thousands of people have laid dead now in the wilderness because 10 said, hey, I'm not interested. We don't think we can go there. They're too big for us. They've seen and been reminded of Numbers chapter 13 where they had the opportunity to be victorious. For God to show them victory. And they said, no God, we don't think you're big enough. But maybe there's some left in this group of new Israelites. That haven't really all bought into this whole thing. And so Moses is going to give them three sermons. And he's going to challenge these group of believers. To follow him. Moses has in front of him a task to share truth until his final days. Until they enter into the promised land. Deuteronomy means repetition or retelling of the law. Deuteronomy also means and challenges Moses to lead those to the nation to devote themselves to that law. And I guess if you want to phrase the book of Deuteronomy in a couple words, you would say these words. 
Deuteronomy, these are the words. Moses is going to stand in his first sermon, and that's going to cover uh, Deuteronomy 1, 1, all the way to chapter 4. He's going to challenge the, the, the believers to see and show what God has done. His second sermon, he's going to say what God expects of Israel. And the third, third sermon, he will say, what will God do? And in these sermons, there's some really neat practical advice for you. Choices that you will make today when you leave this place. You'll be confronted with truth. And you'll be confronted with the decision. Will you trust this God that you just sang to? Will you follow this God that you just sang to? Will you surrender to the God that you sang to? Because at times it's really easy to be here in our comfortable seats, in the places that you normally sit. It's easy here, isn't it? But when we move from here to this afternoon, to tomorrow morning, if God gives us that morning, will we still have that same hunger? Will we still be looking for that same voice? God, what do you want from me? And you know what you have to make a choice on Monday morning? Will you follow God? Will you hunger and thirst for the things that He hungers and thirsts for? Will you say, God, I surrender to you? This morning as you have your Bible open in front of you, I want to show you the first sermon, what God has done. And you can pick that up as Moses uh, picks that up in, in, in chapter 1 and verse 19. Now it's interesting to me, out of all the things that Moses could have talked about, what God had done, he chose this. To me, it would have made sense for Moses to go back to the Red Sea, to go back to Egypt. But he didn't. He goes back to really what we've already read before is Numbers chapter 13. You pick it up in in Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 19. He's recounting the story of Numbers chapter 13. Then as the Lord our God commanded us, set out from Horeb, And we went toward the hill, the country of the Amorites, through all the vast and dreadful desert that you have seen. And we reached Kadesh Barnea. Then I said to you, you have reached the hill of the Amorites, which the Lord your God is going to give us. See, the Lord your God has given you the land. Go up and take possession of it, as if it as as the Lord. The Lord your God, the God of our fathers, told you, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. He brings this group of believers back to a place, to the land flowing with milk and honey. And he's going to remind them, hey, remember, God is the one that gave you that land. God said to you, hey, go there. It's yours. You take it. But they didn't. They allowed their eyes to control truth. They allowed the circumstances that they were involved in. Oh, we, 
There's no way, God, we can do this. God, the people are too big. They're too strong. Did God ever ask them about their strength? Was God ever concerned with their strength? No, He wasn't. God said to them, you go. You take that land. Not because of you, but because I'm your God. Because I want you to trust me. Because I want to show you the power of your God. And at this point in their lives, they'd already seen some amazing things. They had left Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea. They had a pillar of fire. He said, no God, we don't think that's enough. And what's amazing to me as you read on down through all this, is you get to verse 32. In spite of this, you did not trust in the Lord your God. First sermon. What God did. Moses reminds them that they didn't trust their God. It's interesting to me, out of all the things that you think about sermons, you would think Moses would have came up with a positive speech to start off the end of his life. He would have wanted to say, you probably would think you'd want to say what the people wanted to hear. But I don't think that was the real passion of Moses. I think Moses knew that his life was coming to an end and there's things that he really needed to say to the nation of Israel. And here's one of them. Trust your God. Because you know what will happen if you don't. If you don't trust them, you don't trust your God, it will cost you. And the nation of Israel has seen the cost of their sin. Has seen the cost of their disbelief. Hundreds of thousands of people have died because of their disbelief. Because they said, you know what, God? You're not big enough. Because they looked at at this God and said, you know what? We're just not going to trust you. Find something also that's really interesting and As you think back about the nation of Israel. That this whole nation of Israel. If you go back to Numbers chapter 14. That all the nation of Israel. Was against. Caleb and Joshua. The whole assembly. Wanted to stone. Moses and Aaron. Moses reminded them of that situation. Can you imagine what it must have been like to have the whole nation want to kill two people? Can you imagine what it must have went on in Moses and Aaron's heart? Hey, God, we're just following you. God, you said we're just just go this way. God, you never told us it was going to be this hard. God, this isn't fair. But there's two people amongst millions 
said, no, God, we're going to follow you. God, no matter how hard it gets, no matter how unfair it gets, God, we don't want to be remembered as those two that didn't trust you. So Moses, as he shares this first sermon, I'm sure there's all kinds of different emotions in Moses' soul. Probably tears running down his face as he remembered the time in Numbers chapter 14 where they all wanted to kill him. And as he reminds those young Israelites, 60 years and younger, He reminds them what God has done. The second thing he says to them, and that runs from, and I'm going to pick out a couple things out of this. This runs from chapter 4 all the way to chapter 26. So I'm sure you don't want me to go through all of those things this morning. But there are a couple things that he highlights. In this section, in this sermon, what God expects of the Israelites. He gives them in in chapter 5, he gives them the Ten Commandments. Again, he's just reminding them, these are the words. This is what I long for you. Here it is. It will be in front of you, the Ten Commandments. He reminds them in verse 6 that their God, the Lord brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And I'm sure that was a vivid illustration, word, picture, emotion in their soul as this group of believers had heard about this. Some had saw it. Yeah, we remember what it was like. We remember the ten plagues. We remember how God spared Israel amongst those plagues. We remember the Passover. We remember for the first time that we took blood and we put it on the doorpost of our homes. And we said, God, if that's what you want, we'll trust you. That was the God that brought him out. You know what's fascinating? And I think I heard this the first time a couple weeks ago. Pastor Andy was sharing this on a Sunday night. What's fascinating is it should have been the nation of Israel should have been hungering for obedience. God, what do you want for us? God, look what all you've done for us. God, you've done amazing things. You want to give us Ten Commandments? That's awesome, God. No problem. Because you've demonstrated yourself among us over and over again. But that wasn't the case. They really didn't want the Ten Commandments. They really didn't long for truth. Truth is restrictive. Truth is no fun. God, you're just trying to run my life. God, this isn't fair. God, this isn't convenient. God, this doesn't make me happy. What's wrong with you, God? I really want to be happy. You know what their God knew? That if they would live for happiness, they would destroy themselves. 
If they lived for their happiness, they really would be empty inside. He didn't want them to be empty. He had too much invested in them. The world was watching them. And he demonstrated his power so that the world would see the power of the Israelite God. No other nation is like that. So God had some expectation. Ten Commandments. You know the Ten Commandments. God had some other expectations. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 1. These are the commands, the decrees, the law. The Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess. God had given Moses the opportunity to teach some commands. And this is what he wanted to teach in those commands. That your children and the children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you. And so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it all may go well with you, and that you have greatly increased in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord your God, your fathers, promised you. So really, he has some expectations of them to pass something on. As he shares with this Nation, here's the expectation. Pass this on to your children. And there's something that he wanted to pass on that was very specific. And you know what's very interesting? Nothing was about how they felt. He wanted them to teach them reverence for their God. He wanted to teach them to fear God. Now you probably haven't heard a sermon in a long time about fearing God. But I think you and I need to learn to fear the Lord. And when I mean that, I don't mean that I walk around shaking in my boots that God's going to zap me Every second of my life. But I think it's important for us to stop and say, okay, God, if that is what you want me to do, I'll do it. God, if that's something that you have in these words for me, and out of respect for you, out of what you have done for me, God, I want to have reverence for you. God, I want to have a hunger to do what's right. Not what's convenient. Not what's easy. But because I have these words that have been passed on to me. Did you ever think, as God was sharing this with Moses through the nation of Israel, that God might be thinking about you? Because if it's not passed down from generation to generation, guess what? People miss out. 
Do you have, do, is, as I think about this group, do they have a hunger for the, to be obedient to the commands of their God? You would think, you would think that they would just be sitting at the feet of Jesus saying, Jesus, God, whatever you say through Moses, we'll do it. Almost like you have a little kid at your feet and you got some candy. You can almost get that little kid to do anything you want for that piece of candy. I'll do whatever, Dad. Do we sit at the feet of the law of God with that hunger? With that reverence? With that passion? You read on, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commands I give you today, and you are to write them upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on the foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your home and on your gates. See, as you look through this passage of Scripture from 6 chapter 1 all the way down to verse 9, some words jump out at you. Teach. Fear. Be careful to obey. Because obedience just doesn't happen naturally, right? You know what's interesting? If I live my life in obedience, I don't have to worry about consequences for tomorrow. But that takes purpose. That takes thought. That takes time. That takes energy. That takes effort. Be careful. Love your Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Moses is challenging these people. Lay it all on the line. Give them everything. Something I think that's that's interesting as you as you look at this, this passage of scripture. And as you look at Moses talking, you read the word teach. And really what I think Moses is saying to the next generation is not sit down in a formal classroom and say, okay, here's the rules. This is what I want from you. What I really think Moses is saying is demonstrate it with your life. You show the next generation what this is supposed to look like. Because most of us think it's just be easier. There's a couple different ways. I'm sure that this group of believers said, you know what? Well, I don't don't have the gift of teaching. So God, I don't really have to do that. No, no. When you're walking around in your home. When you get up in the morning. When you go to bed at night. See, Moses wasn't thinking about this big meeting. You know what Moses was talking about? What takes place in their home. 
what takes place in their homes will be passed on for generations to come. You can't hide at home. So in your home, be careful to be obedient. In your home, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. In your home, be careful if you drop down to verse 12, not to forget that the Lord brought you out of slavery. Go on to verse 14. Don't follow other gods or the God of the people that are around you. Don't follow those things. If you jump all the way over to chapter 7, and, and as you go into different lands, pick it up in verse 1. When the Lord your God brings you into the land and that you're about to possess and drive out before you the many nations, the Hittites, and you've got a whole list of nations that they're going to drive out. And then look at verse 2. And when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you, you have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. Make no treaty with them. Show them no mercy. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons. And take your daughters as for your sons. They will turn your sons away from serving me to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you. And quickly he will destroy you. This is what you are to do to them. Break down their altars. Smash their sacred stones. Cut down their azurite poles. And burn their idols in the fire. Have we talked about anybody recently where you reminded of the Azurite Poles? His name was Gideon. And Gideon had to face this because of disobedience. Because when they went into the land, they didn't do what they were supposed to do. Oh God, it won't be a big deal. It's just a little God. And so now God is going to have to do another thing with the warrior named Gideon. Because somebody didn't follow. Because somebody wasn't careful to obey. Because somebody, well, you know what? I don't want somebody to feel bad about this. Interesting to me. Be careful to obey. Love the Lord your God. Teach. Verse 7, you know, or chapter 7, you know what he's encouraging to pass on? Obedience. Obedience. Because if his third sermon starts in chapter 21, the third sermon is what God will do. This is the part that most of us like. This is the part that most of Christianity say, okay, God, what are you going to do for me? And we've been trained in our culture to say, God, I'm here. What's, what's in it for me? But we forget the first two parts of this. Oh, God, we love you because of what you've done. Because of all the mighty things. That's only half of the sermon. It's only really one-third of this message that, that Moses gives to the nation of Israel. God was going to do some things. And those things are amazing. God's going to bless the nation of Israel if they would obey. You see that in, in Deuteronomy chapter 28. 
He's going to promise them a blessing. You pick that blessing up in verse 3. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. This is 28 verse 4 now. The fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your labor and the fruit of your livestock and the calves and your herds and the lambs of your flock, your baskets and your kneading troughs will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and out. When you go out, verse 7 it says, Then the Lord will grant your enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you in one direction, but flee from you in seven directions. The Lord will send a blessing on the barns and everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you. You and the land he is giving. I want you to know something. There's a very popular thing called prosperity salvation. This isn't your blessing. This isn't my blessing. This was Israel's blessing. Something that you just need to be very careful about, and I probably will talk about this next week, because I've been thinking about this, leading into this, this time where we do one book at uh, a week, I probably should have started with the book of Job. Probably where I should have started. Because in the book of Job, you see the sovereignty of God. Most of us like the blessing of God. But there's a sovereignty of God too. And in God's sovereignty, He uses things to rock our world. So that we really would love it. You know what I found? That somebody that is spoiled doesn't appreciate what's around them. Somebody that's had it all handed to them, they're not fun to be around. And so as I look at this passage of Scripture, I think about God's blessing. There should have been the nation of Israel should have fallen down on their face and done whatever God asked them to because of this blessing. God, if you'll do this, we will follow you. But you know what? There's a problem. It's called sin nature. And if you're not careful in how you deal with your sin nature, you make some very unwise choices. And you have a tendency to believe the lies of Satan. It's in front of them. There's not anything, and and obviously I didn't read all this blessing, there's not anything in this chunk of scripture, and you can read all the way over um, until verse 14, that God's going to miss in this. They are blessed beyond blessed. But there's a condition here. If they follow it. And then if you read on, starting in verse 15 through 68, are curses. If you don't do this, read on this afternoon. You can read all the things that's going to happen to them because of their disobedience. And so this morning, there's blessing. They will come from God on the nation of Israel if they will follow Him. There's also curses that will come. And it's interesting how you wrap up this Deuteronomy in this last sermon 
what God will do in chapter 30, God's going to do something. Actually, chapter 31. God is going to give a new leader. And that leader's name is Joshua. And some of Moses' last words was to this leader Joshua. With the nation that had gathered around. And then Moses in front of all these people in in chapter 31 verse 7. Then Moses summons Joshua. And said to him in the presence of all of Israel. Be strong and courageous. For you must go with these people into the land. The Lord swore to you. To their forefathers to give them. And you must divide it among them as the inheritance. I was just just wondering. You think Joshua might be saying, God, I don't want to go with these people. God, I already know what they're going to do. God, I know that they're not going to buy into this. God, you're going to ask me to do things in front of these people that you want from me, but they're going to laugh at me, God. I don't want this. But Moses said these words. Hey, Joshua, you be strong and courageous. I've walked where you walk, Joshua. I feel your pain. I know what you're walking into. But you walk with these people, Joshua. They need you. Guide these people into the land. The Lord himself will be with you, Joshua. The Lord will never forsake you, Joshua. Don't fear. Do not be discouraged. Three sermons. But I want you to think about the first sermon for you today. What has God done for you? And under that, I want you to think about this. Will you trust Him? It's your choice. He's blessed you beyond blessing. He's loved you more than any other. But still this morning in front of you, these are the words. Here it is, right here in front of you. Will you trust Him? It's your choice. You know what, God? He does have some expectations from you. And those expectations have to do with the Ten Commandments, have to do with passing it on, have to do with reverence, have to do with love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Will you do it? It's going to cost you, it's going to hurt, it's going to be sleepless nights. There will be anguish of your soul, but I promise you, there will be a peace that passes all understanding. What God will do, I don't know. But you already sang about a song. That when the waves of life come, he will be able to keep your eyes over those waves. 
when, when life hurts beyond words, he will be there. And you know what he wants you to know deep down in your soul? The same thing that Moses told Joshua. I think Moses would stand in this building today and say these words to you. Be strong and courageous. For you must go with the people that are around you. Where are we going to go with those people? Lord willing, to the promised land. To a place that I call heaven. To a place I know that my Savior's at. His name is Jesus. See, it's your choice today. A lot of words. But as I end this time together, I say to you, this is the word. You are faced with a choice. Just know that if you choose to say no to this word, it will cost you dear. If you choose to make yourself happy, it will cost you dearly. This is his word to you today. Through a man by the name of Moses. That was saying to the next generation. As you go into the promised land. You have a choice. And those, that choice will just be. Will you follow these words? As we end our time before we pray. Worship is vital to me in this room, but I really get excited about worship outside of this room. So let me just share a couple things with you. First, our missionaries of this week, Paul and Lucinda Bentley. We emailed them and and they sent us some prayer requests back. Paul's asking that you would be, be praying for Lucinda. They both, he has just finished up with going through the bad flu virus. And now Lucinda has it. He's asking us to pray for a radio license to transfer in Bolivia. That's FCC. There's a new legal entity and so now they have to work through all those the paperwork. What you probably don't know about Paul and Lucinda Bentley is Paul's not only just working in Bolivia. He has most of South America and parts of Europe that he's responsible as far as a leader. You know what's exciting today? We worship through tithes and offerings. We put something in the box. It just doesn't help Highlands County. It goes to Bolivia, to South America, to Europe. We're a ministry and a missionary called Paul and Lucinda Bentley. Also, they would ask you to be praying for Lucinda as she works with children that are at risk. And then the bottom of this, and I think we've been supporting the Bentleys for over 30 years, the bottom of this, Paul says these words. And again, thank you to BFC for your interest and your prayer for us to worship. One other thing that's exciting to me, and I don't know if you prayed about it, but yesterday they had the, the uh, Children's Ministry Fun Day. Children's Ministry Chaos Day. <laughs> you know what was cool? To watch little people run around. And then I got here right at the end when the message had been complete. 
And I was talking to um, uh, Steve. And ten little people said yes to Jesus yesterday. That's just the beginning for me. Yeah, they're going to be in heaven, but we got a big job to do. To pass on to them Jesus. Pass on to them something that we're not looking or walking around like we've been baptized in pickle juice. That they get a chance to see what a warrior really is. What a servant, what it looks like to be wholeheartedly following Jesus. It's just the beginning. I say thank you to Word of Life and those people that are involved with that. Also, because we are at the end of the service, I want to ask Bill and Anita to come down. I know he'll be mad at me, but he'll be okay. Um, and since we, if sound goes bad now, it's okay. I can talk loud enough for this last little bit. But ask Bill and Anita to come down. I'm also going to ask you to be praying um, for Elson Baker. And I don't think, think is Elson in this hour? Okay, Elson, you've got to come up here too. Um, Elson has begun to go on a missionary trip. And... Um, She'll be leaving, and so I want you to be praying for Elson, and we'll have the Kovacs come. So we're basically sending out different people to different places, but Kovacs are moving to Jacksonville. And uh, so come, come stand here. Um, as Bill and Anita come, you have no idea what Bill has done behind the scenes at Bible Fellowship Church for years. And... Uh, <laughs> And uh, so every Sunday morning he fixes things that aren't working upstairs so you can hear something that sounds good. That's Bill's gift. He has faithfully served. I'm standing. Uh, I don't know. That's, that's Team Korea took over. I don't know. And so um, here's a card and something inside to say thank you. I appreciate you and love you very much. Where are you headed? So she's going to be working in the Bahamas in an orphanage. When do you leave? One o'clock today. All right. Cool. <laughs> Wait, can, can you stay here? I'll go to the Bahamas. I'll give you the microphone. Good deal. <laughs> so pray for Elson as she, as she leaves out on a missions trip. Couple of things that I want you to be aware of, and we'll close this time together. Um, and I, it is to me, it's it's part of worship, so it's an opportunity for you. There's a blood mobile out there. Um, some of you don't like needles, but people need your blood. One of those people's name's Donald Holt. He walks around here every week, and every, about every seven days, he needs more blood. And uh, he will die of a common cold one day. But until then, we pray that we fill him with Holy Spirit power, blood. Uh, the other thing is, is for your own health screening, this will benefit missions. You can see David Reck out there. Uh, they do it on different screenings. I think it's your carotid artery, your heart, different things. David's really good with ultrasound. Uh, if you'd like to talk to them, February 27th and 29th, um, the test, he does five different tests for $30, but the proceeds goes to missions. It's not about David making money. It's just an opportunity to make sure that your carotid artery is the health screening. It's a preventive health screening. All you wives that want your, your husband there, sign them up. I'm sure they'll come because you signed them up. Uh, also, one other neat thing is, is Choices Pregnancies out here. They have a golf outing, and we're, we like to support Choices Pregnancy. So if you like to play golf and support uh, pro-life in our community. And I did get an email uh, last week that a young lady said no 
to abortion because of choices pregnant in our community. So there's a neat thing that's there. Also, we'll be having some fun on March the 5th, our Bible Fellowship Church golf outing. The sign-up is there. And Pastor Andy shared with me um, that the Mexico organizational meeting will start next week, next Sunday after church. So um, just information, opportunities for you to worship. I want to pray with these guys, and then we'll send you out. Father, thank you for Bill and Anita, Jesus. Thank you for their lives. Thank you for all the, the time that they put in upstairs, faithfully together as a couple, serving you. Our lives have been blessed by Bill and Anita Kovacs. And so we say thank you, Jesus, for them. So, Jesus, you saw fit to move them to a different location. So, God, I ask you to go before them, that you would use them in amazing ways. Thank you for how you blessed our family. Father, for the next family that will be blessed, that don't even know Bill and Anita. Use them in amazing ways, Jesus. Thank you for Elson, Heart for Missions. God bless her as she goes and works with the orphanage. Use her, Lord. Father, I just ask that you would send not only Bill and Anita and Elson out, but you would send us out with reckless abandonment to make a difference in Highlands County this week, Jesus, because we came and we met with you. In your name I pray. Amen.